Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. My name is Nikki Young, and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Tonight, we're talking about a very controversial kidnapping. Who knew that kidnapping could be so controversial? Sherry Papini disappeared on November 2nd, 2016, while she was out jogging. Five years later, and people still wonder if this was all just a hoax. Was Sherry really kidnapped, or were there ulterior motives for Sherry and her family? Some things add up and some things don't, but we're going to talk about all of it. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Twisted Buella, and oh my gosh, you guys, this is a sponsor I really love and believe in. Twisted Buella is dedicated to producing the highest quality of handcrafted, small-batched, infused spirits. This is a 100% minority and women-owned micro-distillery located in Washington State, committed to sourcing products locally in Washington in order to create a farm-to-bottle experience. Twisted Buella, to this point, has been completely self-funded, so they need your help. Support this amazing micro-distillery and help them expand their business and reach the homes of future customers. I have all of their links in my show notes, but you guys really need to check out the video on their Kickstarter page. Honestly, I was drooling. These drinks look so fresh and delicious with fruits and herbs. I know you're going to love it. Head on over to twistedbuella.squarespace.com for more details and check out all of their links in my show notes. Stay tuned halfway through the show tonight for Jessica's story. She is the one who created Twisted Buella, and I just kind of feel like you need to hear from her herself. All right, let's jump in. Sherry Papini was a 35-year-old married mom of two when all of this happened. She was described by many of those who knew her as sort of a super mom. You know, one of those moms who was really involved with her children and tried to do it all. All the baking, those homemade birthday cakes, taking care of the family home, you name it, she did it. Sherry is married to a man named Keith, and the two appeared to be very happy together. They had known each other since the seventh grade, and while Sherry had been married once before... Her and Keith seemed to be a match made in heaven that was always supposed to happen. The Papini family lived a quiet suburban life in Redding, California, and they were actually quite private about their lives, including keeping most of it off of social media, which is actually quite rare these days if you think about it. 
But Sherry, she always said that she just wanted to keep her children safe, which meant keeping them off the internet. On November 2nd, 2016, Sherry drops off both of her kids at daycare around 8 a.m. that morning. She texts her husband Keith to see if he'll be home for lunch, and this happens around 10.30 a.m., but Keith doesn't text Sherry back until around 1.30 p.m. that afternoon, just saying he got busy, but he won't be home until later that evening. Sometime between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., we aren't really sure of the exact time, Sherry decides to take her cell phone and her earbuds, and she goes for a jog around the neighborhood. Both kids are in daycare at this time, so it was an opportunity for her to have some time for herself, and she had just recently picked up jogging again. Around 5.51 p.m. later that evening, Sherry's husband Keith comes home from work, and he finds that Sherry isn't home. Usually when he comes home and he walks in the door, he's greeted immediately by his wife and his kids for snuggle time, but he was surprised to come home to an empty house. Not only was his wife not there, but his kids, they weren't there either, and Sherry was the one that was supposed to pick them up from daycare. So Keith, he calls the daycare center, only to discover that Sherry never picked the children up. And of course, this is unusual. That's not normal. So immediately, Keith starts to panic. He says he's going to have a look for Sherry, and then he'll come by for the kids, who are only two and four years old at the time. Keith is smart. He uses the Find My iPhone app, which I've used several times whenever I seem to lose my phone, and he's able to locate Sherry's phone about a mile from their house. So he goes to the location that the app seems to be pinging at, and he finds Sherry's phone and earbuds lying on the grass on the ground, along with a few strands of blonde hair that were sort of intertwined with the earbud cords. So he decides to take a few pictures of the phone that's just lying there because in his mind, he's like, this could very well be a crime scene. This could be important and I want to show where I found the phone. Clearly her phone on the ground and Sherry being nowhere in sight, this isn't a good sign. So he takes the photos and then he calls the police and I have the 911 recording here. 911, what is your uh, emergency? Keith is on the line. Hello, can I help you? Oh. Yeah, um, so uh, I just got home from work and uh, my wife wasn't there, which is unusual, and my kids should have been there by now for my daycare. So I was like, oh, maybe she went on a walk. Um, I couldn't find her, so I called the, the daycare to see what time she picked up the kids. The kids were never picked up, so I got freaked out, so I hit like the Find My iPhone app thing, and it said that her it showed her phone like at our end of our driveway we don't have really good service okay um, not the end of our driveway but the end of our street but so just drove down there and i saw her phone with her headphones because she started running again and it's i found her phone and it's got like hair ripped out of it like in the headphones so i'm like totally freaking out thinking like somebody okay, like what's your grabbed her okay what's your address Ready. What, okay what's your last name yes papini p-a-p-i-n-i and your first name uh keith k-e-i-t-h uh, yes. Okay. Did you go pick up your children? No, I'm going to call my mom and have her do it. Okay. What's your wife's name? I'm going to, like, knock on every door. Uh, Sherry. S-H-E-R-R-I. And same last name? Yes. She white female? Yes. What's her date of birth? Uh, it is uh, June 11, 1982. 
her vehicle there? Does she not have a vehicle? She has a vehicle that's at the house. Okay, the vehicle yeah, is at the house? She's running. How? Okay. Yes, I'm how? in it right now driving, and I took a picture of her phone on the ground before I picked it up. Okay, how tall is she? 5'3", 5'4". How much does she weigh? 100 pounds. Eye color? Uh, like a bluish blue. Okay, hair color? Blonde. Do you know what she was wearing? Is there no something idea. she always wears? I'm assuming she went running. So okay, is there... Athletic okay, there's not an outfit she always wears or anything like that. Does she run with a dog or by herself? By herself. Okay. At what time were the kids... We just started running again, and we live in a... Oh, when's the last sorry, time... When, when's the last time you heard from her? Uh, she sent me a text asking me if I was coming home for lunch. Uh, what time was that? Um, uh, give me one second. She sent me a text at 10.47 asking me if I was coming home for lunch from work. And I said, sorry, long day. And that was the last. Never spoke to her on the phone, never any other contact. Okay, and what time are the kids supposed to be picked up? Way before 5.30, she usually goes to like 4.45. Okay. 4.30, 4.45. Okay, are you headed back to the house, or where are you at right now? I'm at the end of the driveway where, uh, I'm at the Old Oregon Trail and Sunrise where they meet, because that's right where I found her phone on the ground. You're telling me that something happened to her is the way I'm looking at it. There's like, then there was hair like in the headphones. Like it got ripped off of like the grass. Yeah, no, I, un I understand, I understand. Okay, I'm sorry. I know it's you're okay. trying to keep me calm, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of vehicle are you in? I'm in a black Kia Optima. Oh, my God. Okay. And I live, I mean, we live down kind of a sketchy street, so I yeah. definitely, I don't know if I'm allowed to knock on everybody's door, but I will if I'm allowed to do that. Well, let's just have the officers contact you so they can start, you know, processing everything, figure out what's going on, okay? I understand you're freaking out a little bit. We want to we want to make sure we get your kids, make sure they're okay. Obviously, yeah, I'm gonna call my mom start, and have her. Yeah, they've been stuck at this with your phone number. Yes. Do you want me to wait right here for somebody? If, if you want to head back to your residence, so they can contact you there, and in case she does return. Okay. Okay. We'll have them contact okay. you at your residence. Call us back if anything changes. All right. All right, so they're going to call the number you just took down the 35 They'll probably call you when they're on their way, and they're going to come out in person. Okay. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Police showed up to interview Keith and to have a look around. Investigators noted that Sherry's cell phone was placed screen up with its headphones coiled neatly on top where Keith had found it. The only sign of Sherry was a few strands of her blonde hair, but there wasn't really anything to suggest that there had been a struggle. A missing persons report was created for Sherry and tips began to pour in. As with most cases where a wife has gone missing, I mean, they first look closest to home. So, of course, they started with Keith. And Keith, he had a pretty tight alibi with being at work. 
but he was finally cleared as a suspect after he was able to pass a lie detector test. Police combed through Sherry's social media profiles, which, like I kind of mentioned, they were locked down with not a whole lot of content. They also checked her emails, bank accounts, and other electronic records for any clues that they could find, but they came up empty-handed. Investigators filed about 20 search warrants looking into local sex offenders, reviewing surveillance videos gathered from the homes and businesses in the area. The case received widespread media attention, with appeals made across the country. One anonymous donor even came forward to donate an undisclosed amount of money to help find Sherry, and a GoFundMe account was set up. This was around the same time that a man named Cameron Gamble, who is a self-described international kidnap and ransom consultant, came forward to offer his help and his services. With the backing of that anonymous donor, they had about $50,000 to work with. So this guy Cameron, he said he was ready to assist in securing an exchange for Sherry's safe return. Which to me is really strange since at this point, we don't even know if Sherry's been kidnapped, if she's being held somewhere, or I mean, unfortunately, if she's already been killed. On November 18th, which was a little more than two weeks after Sherry disappeared, Cameron uploaded a video to YouTube, and on it, he sat there saying, My name is Cameron Gamble, and I'm an international kidnap and ransom consultant. I've been retained by an individual who wishes to remain anonymous, an individual who has come forward to offer a cash reward for a ransom for Sherry Papini's safe return to her family. This offer is off the table in less than 100 hours. We don't care about justice. We simply care about Sherry's safe return. And then he gave a phone number where he could be contacted. When people saw this video, they started coming out of the woodwork to try to discredit him. It seemed like he was enjoying the spotlight a little bit too much. Maybe he had ulterior motives for joining the search for Sherry. Plus, he didn't really seem to be helping much at all. He wasn't even working with the police. In fact, the police were just kind of like, ugh, they didn't recommend even working with this guy. Well, those 100 hours, they passed, and still, there was no Sherry. Then, on November 24th, a surprising turn of events. Around 4.30 a.m. that day, it's Thanksgiving morning. A woman is spotted by a motorist on the side of the highway, about 150 miles from Reading, where Sherry is from. The motorist would later say, I saw this woman with long blonde hair in the right shoulder of the freeway, and she was waving a piece of fabric that looked like a shirt, waving it up and down, trying to flag someone down. It was obvious she needed help. The motorist called the police, who arrived on scene to help this unknown woman. The woman, of course, turned out to be Sherry Papini, and it appeared that she had survived an ordeal during these three weeks that she was missing. She was in really rough shape. Her face was covered in bruises. She had yellow and black bruises because of repeated beatings, and the bridge of her nose was broken. She was also emaciated. She weighed only 87 pounds. And like I said, she was covered in those bruises, severe burns, red rashes, and she had chain markings on her, like she had been chained up for a long time. Her long blonde hair had also been chopped off. She was bound at the waist by a chain, which was tethered to her left wrist with a zip tie, and she had hose clamps that were fixed to her ankles. She was brought to the hospital to be checked out by doctors before being interviewed by the police. 
Her husband met her at the hospital, and he would later say that he was both incredibly happy that she was found alive, but he was also devastated at the condition that she was found in. She was so bruised, battered, and frail, he could hardly recognize her as his wife. During her examination at the hospital, it's discovered that she had been branded on her shoulder, although it's unclear exactly what the branding said because it had been kind of scabbed and bubbled over for a while. Police are also able to collect some DNA evidence from her body, including DNA that matches a female and DNA evidence that matches a male. It also appears that she has not been sexually assaulted. Now, the samples, they're uploaded into the CODIS DNA database, but there were no matches to any known offenders. The DNA from Sherry's husband, Keith, was not among the two profiles. So again, just more confirmation that Keith was not involved here. When Sherry speaks with the police, she has a difficult time remembering all of the details of when she was captured, which makes the situation really hard. But she does tell them everything that she can remember. She tells police that she was abducted at gunpoint and held captive by two adult Hispanic women, one with straight hair, one with curly hair, both who were armed. And she said that her captor spoke Spanish for the majority of her time there, so she didn't understand hardly anything that they were saying. Sherry had also been found bound with restraints and said that she was restrained the entire three weeks that she was held captive. Police were unable to determine what led to Sherry's abduction, where she was taken for those 22 days, or why she was even kidnapped in the first place, and especially why she was released without explanation. Sherry said that her captors just dropped her off on the side of the road, and she immediately tried to flag down help. While Sherry stayed away from all media, basically just hiding away from the public, Keith spoke on her behalf. He described how Sherry's weeks in captivity have stuck with her, both physically and psychologically. He said, When lights are off, when doors shut, when she hears certain sounds, I mean, it's something that I don't know how to deal with and will need somebody who can help her through that from a professional standpoint. He also talked about how Sherry had survived the abduction by imagining that she was with Keith and their children, pretending that she was tucking them in at night, which is Really just heartbreaking to imagine being a mother and wondering if you're ever going to be able to see your babies again. I can't imagine. A sketch was created of the two women who Sherry claimed were her abductors and a $10,000 reward was offered for information about them. And even after numerous theories, suspects and search warrants were executed, the police weren't any further ahead. Shasta County authorities received more than 600 tips. They traveled across the country to talk to numerous people. They literally interviewed hundreds of people. They scoured surveillance videos and they served 20 search warrants. Yet truthfully, the police have really struggled with this case. They've had a difficult time finding motive, especially because female kidnappers are exceptionally rare. And then the fact that they let Sherry go, it's just all really unusual. And because it's an unusual case, rumors began to swirl around that the whole thing was a hoax. I 
love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough, especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages, So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right, 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Some started to speculate that maybe Keith was in on the whole thing and that the two of them set this up to get attention, but I don't buy this for a minute. The Papina family has been very private before, and since all of this happened, they've become even more reclusive. You don't see them out there speaking to media, and honestly, they just seem to be wanting to move on with their lives. In particular, Sherry seems terrified by people, and she's kept very quiet about the whole situation. It's likely that she was threatened by her captors before she was let go, and clearly she has taken those threats very seriously. Another rumor that was swirling around was that Sherry had run off with another man during that time, and through their investigation, authorities did uncover text messages between Sherry and a male acquaintance from Michigan. They determined that the pair were involved in some sort of online texting relationship and that they did have plans to meet up soon, but we don't know if this was a romantic relationship or more of a friendship. And this man, he was investigated and ruled out. It's also difficult to imagine that a mom would leave her babies like that and scare them half to death, but actually... It has been done before. Seriously, go read about Quinn Gray and her kidnapping hoax. It's sickening, seriously gross, but I really view these two incidents as completely different, especially if you look at the behavior of the two women before and after the kidnapping. 
And as people who have way too much time on their hands do, the public really began to dig into Sherry's history and her background for anything that they could find to discredit her kidnapping story. Back in 2000, when Sherry was only 18 years old, her father claimed that his daughter had burglarized his residence. And that same year, Sherry's sister called the cops on her saying that her back door had been kicked in and she suspected Sherry was the culprit. Then three years later in 2003, her father would allege that Sherry had made unauthorized withdrawals from his checking account and her mother would file an incident report with the sheriff's office saying that she believed her daughter was harming herself and trying to blame the injuries on her. So yeah, Sherry had a difficult time during her younger years. It's clear she had a very complicated relationship with her parents and the rest of her family, but they did come to her defense when this information was leaked, saying that it's shameful that a media outlet would intentionally exploit Sherry and Keith and their young children's trauma for the sole purpose of clickbait and selling papers. They came out and said it really has nothing to do one with the other. This was when Sherry was younger and it's no reason to say that Sherry made this whole thing up. Now Keith, he was so frustrated by the rumors and all the speculation and all the nasty stuff that was being said about his wife. So he released a statement to ABC's Good Morning America and I'm going to read you just a little bit of it here. It is quite long um, so I'm just going to read you parts that I found to be most important. Thank you to the extremely generous, anonymous, as well as named donors all over the world whom selflessly gave to our family. Thank you to the many incredible humans that have never known Sherry that facilitated in sharing our heartbreak across the globe. Sherry has always captured my heart and it's no surprise that she has captured the hearts not only through the country but throughout the world. Thank you truly immensely, sincerely, with my entire heart. Secondly, we live in a nation of free speech, accompanied with an era of technology that provides immediate gratification. This is a double-edged sword. I'm grateful for this system, as it is what spread my wife's face quickly throughout the world, gaining the attention of thousands. The unfortunate side is that some people have been sitting in angering, expectant positions, waiting for the gory details. Rumors, assumptions, lies, and hate have both been exhausting and disgusting. Those people should be ashamed of their malicious, subhuman behavior. We are not going to allow those people to take away our spirit, love, or rejoice in our girl found alive and home where she belongs. I understand people want the story, pictures, proof that this was not some sort of hoax, planned to gain money, or some fabricated race war. I do not see a purpose in addressing each preposterous lie. Instead, may I give you a glimpse of the mixture of horror and elation that was my experience of reuniting with the love of my life and mother of our children. Nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to see upon my arrival at the hospital, nor the details of the true hell I was about to hear. The mental prison I was in over the past three weeks was shattered when my question of my wife's reality became known. The officers warned me to brace myself. My first sight was my wife in a hospital bed, her face covered in bruises, ranging from yellow to black because of repeated beatings, the bridge of her nose broken. 
Her now emaciated body of 87 pounds was covered in multicolored bruises, severe burns, red rashes, and chain markings. Her signature long blonde hair had been chopped off. She had been branded. I could feel the rise of her scabs under my fingers. She was thrown from a vehicle with a chain around her waist, attached to her wrists, and a bag over her head. The same bag she used to flag someone down once she was able to free one of her hands. Sherry was taken from us for 22 days and suffered incredibly through both intense physical agony and severe mental torture. My reaction was one of extreme happiness and overwhelming nausea as my eyes and hands scanned her body. I was filled with so much relief and revulsion at once. My Sherry suffered tremendously and all the visions swirling in your heads of her appearance, I assure you, are not as graphic and gruesome as the reality. We are a very private family who do not use social media outlets prior to this grotesque tragedy. My love for my wife took precedence and it was clear we had to be exposed in ways we never would have been comfortable with. So please have a heart and understand why we are asking for our privacy. This will be a long road of healing for everyone. Ultimately, it was Sherry's will to survive that brought her home. Thank you. I wanted to read that because I think it's important for people to remember that they do not have all of the facts. And it's very easy to pick stories apart and to claim a woman is lying, but you don't know everything. You sitting there in your armchair, at your desk, on your couch, reading social media things and diving into people's pasts. We all have a history. That doesn't mean that nothing bad ever happens to us. And if you were to see Sherry, I mean, you must know from her very demeanor that she is a victim and she deserves justice and peace and privacy in her life. And the only reason that I am telling Sherry's story is because it's an important reminder that you do not have all the details. I do not have all the details. I am a true crime podcast host and I don't know everything and I will always be a voice for the victims, but I will also not indulge in all of this gossipy bullshit. Still to this day, we don't know what happened to Sherry Papini. No one has been arrested in this case and Sherry herself, like I said, she's never appeared publicly since then. And still, there's all these people with all their theories, but we just don't know. I personally am of the belief that we should always believe the victim unless we have proof otherwise. And in the case of Sherry Papini, I believe that the condition she was found in and her behavior after being found says everything that we need to know. She was a victim. And it's still possible with that DNA evidence that was collected, her captors will be found and the real story will come out. So, what do you think? Do you believe that Sherry Papini was kidnapped or are you one of these people that thinks it was a hoax? I'd love to hear what you think. Either way, let me know on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you can find me. That's it for me tonight. I would once again like to thank my sponsor, Twisted Buella Needs Your Help. They're dedicated to producing the highest quality of handcrafted, small batched infused spirits. And I know we could all use a little bit more of that in our lives right now, right? Plus, hey, female owned and operated, get it. Help your girl out. All the links are in my show notes or visit twisted-buella.squarespace.com. As for me, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. 
Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper. That's all one word. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to become a Patreon and unlock some badass bonuses, visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper. I'm offering exclusive ad-free episodes, merch discounts, free swag, show shoutouts, bi-weekly Zoom chats with me and a bunch of great girls, and so much more. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.